Onesimus, Chapter 7. Chapter 7. Walking to the Past. It was a tough private farewell. In the air there was hope of a favorable outcome, together with the realism that Philemon had a moral choice, and that as good as the arguments in the preacher's letter were, no one can know for sure the depth of some ideas in the hearts and minds of those around us. Especially where ego has been impacted. In my case, the issues of pride and allegiance to cultural roots. But I was at peace. I had done all that could do to ensure a good outcome. I could do no more. As I slipped away, I carried two things with me. Some money to buy food. And a letter. It was all quite surreal. The closer I came to the master estate, the more my mind and heart were in a spin. Alone, with only my thoughts, I went through everything that had happened. Such was the questioning in my mind that I found a quiet place and stayed there a few days to take stock. To reconsider it all. It was as if I wrestled the correctness of all the decisions I had made since I has met the preachers in Troas. Had I been brainwashed by a charismatic preacher? Was I being stupid to risk going back? Was the good news really good news? After all, I was deliberately putting my life at risk because I believed the good news to be true above all other human considerations. I was not being forced to go back. Tehiri seems to be were two battles going on inside me. One concerned the reliability of the good news, the question of whether it was true, that Jesus Christ was God wrapped in human flesh reaching out to us to the point of paying the price for our self-centered rebellion on the cross. The preacher's direct contact with many who had witnessed the resurrected Jesus was compelling. In the same way, his total change as a person showed there nothing in it for him, he had moved from orchestrating the stoning of a man to death for preaching about Jesus, to living a life of love in the face himself being of put death. All the conversations that I had seen and heard, together with impact of the good news on all kinds of lives and the reality of the death and resurrection of Christ, there was no doubt in my mind that the chance of the truthfulness of the good news was very high, and certainly much higher than other competing stories. The second battle was not only in my heart, but it concerned the allegiance of my heart. Since the day I had put my trust in Jesus, I was a different person, I had received and so had been constantly aware of a deep peace within me. Previously, when a slave or acting as a freeman, there had been an emptiness or sense of aloneness and a deep longing for a sense of personal legitimacy, but this was all gone and had been replaced by this peace. I was no longer alone. I had God as a true friend. This amazed me. For even as I walked alone to a destiny that was out of my control, I did not feel alone. When I prayed, it was as if I heard him listening to me. I felt deeply the security of my soul, in spite of the outward uncertainty. It was the existence of this that ultimately weighed on the allegiance of my heart. I had to choose to continue in this journey with Jesus, a journey that necessarily required that I give myself over to my originality, or give it all up and return to a life. Where I would again attempt to define myself. That is, to lose my life to a living God so that I can live in His purpose, or to take it back and attempt again to be entirely self-sufficient. 
And then there was the letter from the citizen preacher who had put himself out for me. So much to consider. So much at stake. One decision. It was less than a day from my master's estate. It was the day that I had dreaded, but a day where deep within, there was peace. I arose early, washed myself in the nearby stream. I stared my reflection, looking to see the freeman. But the freeman was gone. I looked to see if the freeman had been replaced by a runaway slave. But there was on slave in the reflection. All that I could was the reflection of man who was the child of his heavenly father. This was my new coat. My old coats were gone, and I had a new coat, the coat of a child of my heavenly father. As I continued the final part of my journey, I found myself looking down, to avoid eye contact. I was so distracted, that I did not notice the stares that I was getting and the murmuring. News began to spread, at a rate faster than I could walk. And it was not long before my master's guards stood before me. I knew what to expect, but yet it felt like a surprise. The force with which they began to beat me and moved me toward the estate gates. They abused me, beat me, shouted at me, belittled me, abused me. I was on show. All I did was hold on to the letter for dear life and shout, I have a letter for my master from the preacher. For I knew I had only one chance. I had to ensure that the letter was delivered into the hands of my master. That was all I could do. Yet as I shouted, I rebelled inside. The louder I shouted, the greater was the internal rebellion. Until I was hit by a wave. A wave of peace that passed all sense of reason. I fell silent in this peace. I no longer felt the punches.